Um, it's very interesting. We, it's very interesting. Like when we come here, we come to worship Jesus as our Savior and Lord, and then uh, like all the answers are in the songs of how beautiful, how majestic He is, how amazing He is, and and then still we find ourselves in we find ourselves in the Book of Job. And I think this today and yesterday and the other days, it's been a little more uh, the process of trying to figure out what to say today has been a little more trying to grab a hold of this garment, of God's garment. It's just pulling at all time and saying, hello, 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 can you tell me what this means? Um, and then like how, where, how do we, how do we end up with Jesus? The one we're praising, the one we come in here wanting to know you more, this awesome, amazing God. And I think maybe that's why Job is such a good book for us to go through, because what happens when we're in that place? What happens when our friends are in that place? What happens when people have questions about who God is, or is he really good, and can I trust him? And what about Jesus as well? And I think... I think for us, as we come here to worship Jesus, we know all the answers are found in who Jesus is. And that's where we, where God shows us who he is through, his, through Jesus. Um, so last week, uh, Myers, he finished, uh, uh, he finished uh, the last works, <laughs> the last work, the last work of, uh, the last words of Job. And so this week we will now enter into the secret friend. He's not really secret, but just, I just gave him that title, so I'll keep, I'll keep going with it. And his name is Elihu. Um, and so, uh, uh, so we are on this side over here. So we're entering into 32 and forward. So today will be 32 through 34. Job has stopped speaking, and Elihu is now entering the scene. Uh, the reason why he's kind of secret is because he, he, has, uh, he has kept himself quiet uh, until now. And there's a lot of views on who Elihu is. His name means, he is my God, or my God is he. Um, and then we have uh, some descriptions of who, where his lineage is, and his father was Bakel, a Bushite, probably a descendant of Abraham's nephew, Buzz. Um, and interestingly, Buzz was the older brother of, not Buzz was the older brother of Buzz, it's already. Um, uh, probably who was named after the name of Buzz. So they're all like, all these people are pre-Israelites because uh, uh, Abraham's were gonna be called out of Buzz at some point. And you can see that's like a commentary there. Um, is he a foreshadowing of Christ? Is he foreshadowing of Jesus? Is he a prophet? Is he just an angry young man? Some people have suggested he's the author of the book. There's so many opinions, um, but let's let's in, let's explore this together. Uh, we have a shift in the literature here, um, and I'm not great in Danish or English literature at all. But uh, this is not poetry. This is prose. The introductions in Job's are prose. And then from verse 6b, then it comes, becomes poetry again. So we had it in the beginning and in the end, and here when people are introduced, then it, it is prose and not poetry. Just so you know that. But, um, but let's read this part together. This is the introduction. 
of uh, of what is gonna, what's happened, what is happening now. So the three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then Elihu, the son of Balchashat the Buzite, and the, of the family of Ram, burned with anger. He burned with anger because Job, uh, at Job because he justified himself rather than God. He burned with anger also at Job's three friends because they had found no answer, although they had declared Job to be in the wrong. Now Elihu had waited to speak because they were older than he. And when Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these men, he burned with anger. Um, so the so the three friends they stop speaking. <coughs> Job has stopped speaking now. Also, they don't have any more answers. And then we have Elihu now. He is like a, he says it later. He's like a he is uh, it's like at the time maybe you've experienced it like you just really want to say something it's like if you don't say it it's like you're gonna pop like the like a bottle <clears throat> he, the metaphor is gonna be about new wine on skins and different things so he's he's burning with this anger he really wants to say something but he's been very patient he's listened very carefully and he's gonna cite many things that Joe has said and it's evident from the text he's angry because it says that he's angry four or five, four times in four verses. Um, Elihu enters into the text and uh, he's, he's going to argue against Job's friends because, they, because of what they said about Job and because they keep saying that he has sinned but they can't find out what has happened or they can't find any real arguments to persuade Job. But then he's also going to to speak against Job in a sense of because because he says that that uh, Job has wanted to justify himself rather than God, and so some smart people say that justify here it can't go both ways, so it's either or, so either God is justified or Job is justified, and so Elihu gets gets mad because he feels like. Job is justifying himself, and therefore saying that God is not just. So he's going to argue that God is just. That God is just. Um, and Elihu would actually bring some good arguments from, Job, from what Job has said earlier in the book. He's been very attentive, and he has really been listening. He's been listening this whole time, and he's going to bring up many things. We're not going to hit them all, but I can say, send you some overviews of, like, he, he, in each chapter he cites up to ten different things that Job has said earlier and kind of confronts him with what he said. Um, and so he has really been, really been listening to these people. Um, and I guess he's now really mad because nobody has really said what needs to be said. And so, so he's going he's gonna to jump into the, jump in and talk. Uh, whereas he has been, he has had, he has been silent because he was younger than them, but now nobody's speaking, so he's going to jump in, and then he's going to explain, he's going to explain why he can jump in. He says, "But it's the, but it's the spirit in man, the, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It is not the old who are wise, nor is it the ages who understand what is right." Therefore I say, listen to me, let me also share my opinion. So he argues that it's because of the Spirit of God in him 
that are in people that gives people understanding. Therefore, it's not just the old people, and only old people can also lack wisdom. And now he's saying, well, I believe I have the spirit. I believe I can speak into the situation. Um, so he's been waiting, and he's been waiting for the, he called them later, he calls them the wise men. He's been waiting for Job's friends to answer wisely. He's now frustrated because they didn't do that. And he's also frustrated at Job because he feels like Job is going too far sometimes. And he's calling, also the, the places we had difficulties with, why are you calling God your enemy? Why are you, why are you saying that he's out to get you? Elihu doesn't feel good about that either. And he will confront Job about those things. Elihu, he's a fun guy. Because he, he's, he's, he, he also says... But he has a different approach to Job. He's not out to get Job. Um, and he's not, he's not trying to flatter people. He just says, I just want to say what's on my... On what I, what's in me, I want to say that because I don't know how to flatter people, and if I did, I think God would kill me anyway if I did. So he's not going to do that. So, so then we skip to thirty-three seven. My words declare the uprightness of my heart, and my lips know they speak sincerely. The Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Answer me if you can. Set your words in order. Take your stand. Behold, I am towards God as you are. I too was pinched off from a piece of clay. Behold, no fear of me need to terrify you. My pressure will not be heavy on you. So this is his uh, invitation to Job. Well, it's his He's giving a reason why he's speaking up. He's saying, I believe the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of God is in me. So you can, you can think it back to like how, how God created people, or blowing in his breath into them. So Elihu is saying that. I believe God has, 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 has breathed in, so I have life. And he, uh, he invites Job in a little bit of a different, but still with courtroom metaphors, to come in and to stand and to order his arguments. But then in 7 he says, Job, you don't have to fear me. Uh, I'm not going to terrify you. I'm not going to pressure you. Um, and so he invites Job in, and he will try to explain what he means. And actually also later in the text, he was in 32, 33, 32, he says, uh, I, I, he says to Job, I desire to justify you. Uh, but we'll go on with this one. Surely you have spoken in my ears. I have heard the sound of your words. You say I am pure without transgression. I am clean and there is no iniquity in me. Behold, he finds occasion, occasion against me. He counts me as his enemy. He puts my feet in the stocks and he watches all my path. Behold, this is not right. 
I'll answer you, for God is greater than man. Why do you contend against him, saying, he won't answer none of my words? So in this, in this, part, in this part, Elihu confronts Job with the words he's spoken about God. And Elihu does not believe that God is out to get Job, and that God is making Job his enemy, and looking for a way to torment or hurt Job. Elihu yeah, he refers to the statement that God has put in the stocks. And so in the old times, those like you, you would be put in the stocks and then people can mock you and they can throw stuff at you. So publicly shaming Job. And so, like us, uh, Eli was not very, big, very fond of that, that God is, that Job would see, that, would see, would think that God is his enemy and that he's just out to get him and that he's going to shame him publicly and humiliate him and torment him. And Elihu says, you are wrong. This is not who God is. This is not the way God is. Sometimes, I was just reminded of this, this is kind of like parenthesis. Sometimes this is what we need to hear from one another. Sometimes we can be pressured so much that we might lose sight of who God really is. And we need a friend to say, no, 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 like you. God is not out to get you. He's not trying to punish you. He's not trying to humiliate you. No, he's calling you into something different. Let's take a look at who God really is. Just like we've done earlier. Worshiping, praying, reading the word can encourage us to see who God really is. Because in Sorrow and pain, sometimes things can fog up and we can't see Jesus as clearly. Or even in great success, we can start trusting just ourselves. Then why is it not the case that God is out to get Job or he wants to humiliate Job? This is one of the arguments in the Bible that seems to be very consistent, but it's also the argument most people don't want to hear. Because some people say, well, it's not really an answer. Well, it is an answer, but the question is whether we're going to be okay with it or not. Because Elihu, he, what does he say in 12b? He says, God is greater than man. So again, he doesn't come with an explanation of why all these things are, but he appeals to that God is, is greater than man, and so does Paul. When, when the discussion comes up, like, why some people reject God, some, why do some people don't? And what if he made me this way? Then why am I, why am I, why am I made this way? And he would say, who are you, O oh man, to complain against God? So, it's an answer, but maybe for many of us, and especially people who don't believe, maybe it's not a very settling answer. But maybe for us, it's actually very, really beautiful. Because it appeals to that God is so much wiser, so much more in control, so much more in charge of everything than we are. And then there's also a kind of a confrontation between Job and God's righteousness. Who can be right here? Can both be right? And then Elihu goes and says, why are you saying that God doesn't answer? 
And then he kind of, kind of goes back to what Eliphaz also said, that God speaks in different ways. He can speak just normally, or he can speak through, uh, communicates through people, through dreams, through, through visions. Um, God, now, and, but it adds something new. It adds that God sometimes doesn't do this to punish, but he does it to try to make people turn so they don't get punished. So this is kind of new with, with uh, Elihu. He develops this notion that Eliphaz has, but also he also kind of goes against one of the other friends that says that God's not going to speak. He's not going to send a redeemer. He's not going to do those things. Well, he says, no, no, God does speak. Some commentators say that, well, it doesn't answer God's Job's problem. Because Job hasn't heard Job's God speak. And that will be in a few chapters he will speak. Um, and then you have the, some poetic descriptions of all the things that God can do through all those things. And through pits of pain, no appetite, no, all those things. Also, what, also where Elihu might not be totally is that he still has a notion that Job sinned somewhere, but he's trying to bring him hope. He can't see how Job can be righteous and God be righteous at the same time. Now comes one of the uh, now comes one of the I think one of the key or the two key verses in these three chapters. And I got I got just gotta apologize to you. I've already spoken seventeen minutes and there's no way we can get through all of this, but I can just encourage you to to read the three chapters and see if you like poetry, this is fantastically great. Uh, it is very poetic in a lot of things and a lot of images and stuff. Um, I landed a lot of these verses and let's just read them and then I'll try to get more into them. Um, and there's much on both sides. His soul draws near to the pit, and his life to those who bring, who brings death. Is there, if there is a, for him an angel, a mediator, one out of a thousand, to declare to man what is right for him? And he is merciful to him and says, deliver him from going down into the pit. I have found a ransom. So this is where all the commentators and everybody, it just blows up. Like now all the opinions flush out and just everyone comes up with all sorts of things. So I can only encourage you to study as well. All the good question comes up. Who is this angel? Who is the mediator? Who can pay a ransom? Who can save a man from going down into the pit? And what does this all these saying thing? What does these all thing? What does all these things say about God and Elihu that presents this to Job? Job has been longing for a mediator. He's been longing for explanation of his pain, his understandings, of his suffering. Is Elihu here like a prophet? Is he seeing a vision for a mediator to come? The one that can ransom and save fully. These people are pre-Israelites, and they have some ideas about angels that are 
of old that are maybe they're an angel. And remember, angels are not understood as those people with wings, but as messengers. We have the theology of the Old Testament as well that when it's the angel of the Lord, it could be a pre-incarnation of Christ. But in all honesty, this just seems super complicated to me. <laughs> like, I'm not sure about all this. But in my reading, I did land on these verses. I did land on these verses before I started reading what everybody else thought about this. Elihu is trying to bring some great hope. And I think great hope to us as well. With a new view of who God is in the book of Job. And I found this, uh, I found this, uh, I found this quote because how can we say this in a simple way? Well, I'm not exactly sure, but there was this commentator that said this. Whatever Elihu here is expressing is a postulate that, deliver, that, deliver, that deliverance of man can only be affected by a superhuman being and it is in, in reality accomplished by a man who is, who is at the same time God and from all eternity the Lord of the angels of light from that commentary. So what does that mean? <laughs> well, it kind of flows with what the book of Job at least how I understand the book of Job has taught us so far that Job is longing for a mediator. Job has expressed hope and certainty that he will see his Redeemer. He will see the very face of God. But what about this Redeemer? And we talked about it before. Well, it has to be a, someone who is God but also understands what it's like to be human. So who could that be? But also, if God is just, how can God ransom people from the pit? How can he just forgive people one time, two times, three times? How can he even do those things? Then we come to the problem with what the friend said, because then God isn't really just if people just say, oh, I'm sorry, just forgive me. God, I've God that provides a mediator and a redeemer. We all see this in the fulfillment, ultimate fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Who was it that Job was longing to see? Who is it that Elihud is alluding to? I think Paul says it this way. The glory of our great God. And he writes to Timothy. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. Then he says, Timothy, declare these things and exhort and rebuke with all authority that nobody disregard you. So this is the way that God did it. Now, 
did Elihu knew it? Did Elihu did Elihu know this? Well, he probably didn't, and I guess that's why some would call him a prophet because he would see something, he would call something out. Maybe that's why some people would say that 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 God would be seen as a mediator, the one that could ransom from dead, that only God could do it, but. Only much later was revealed that this mediator is Jesus Christ. The one that is God, the one that is man. The only one that could save, the only one that could redeem. God shows us who he is in the coming of Jesus. The media, the redeemer, the savior, the one Job was looking for. To make all things right. And to make man's or to take away man's sin and make him righteous. I'm gonna skip some things. Uh, this is uh, more great stuff, but we're gonna skip that and then we're gonna go to Second Corinthians. Before that, Elio speaks about turning to God, repenting, forgiving, even after three times, true salvation, Father God. Um, but how can all this be done? Well, in the love of God, we read this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making me his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So even if all our sins was wiped away, how could we stand in front of God? Well, we couldn't. Only through Christ's life, death, and resurrection could we stand in front of God. Having our sin taken off and being clothed in his righteousness. Christ became sin for us to save us from the pit. And instead of trusting in Christ, we become the Christ, righteousness of God in Christ. And Elihu spends uh, uh, chapter 34 defend, defending God's justice and confronting Job's friends and Job's saying about God. And I'll just share this one example uh, from 34-12. Of a truth, God will not do wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Who gave him charge over the earth, and who laid on him the whole world? If he should set his heart to it, to gather himself, his spirit, and his breath, all flesh was perished together, and man would return to just dust. And he was saying, what are you talking about? God is not wicked. Who gave him the earth? And if he would stop breathing, everything would turn to dust. And it just really reminds me about this verse. Hebrews 1, 1 through 10. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through though he, who also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, he sat down in the right hand of majesty on high. 
This is the beautiful Redeemer, Savior. But he's also holding everything just like Elliot was saying. If God, if Jesus stops breathing, everything would stop existing. <clears throat> but this is a very, very short run-through of three chapters. There are way, there's, way more, there's much more there for you to explore, for you to be frustrated at the strange metaphors or even confused. But I just want to sum up that this great hope in those verses has again led us to Jesus Christ. Most people say, why would you ever go through the book of Job? Well, because I believe that we find, and because Jesus says that the Old Testament is about him. It leads us to Jesus Christ. It leads us to hope, joy, faith, salvation, and redemption, and right standing with God. Because even there, there's a hope in the Redeemer to come. For a believer, and this is so interesting, because now it just fits in with what Myers has done the whole day. For the believer, this must make us rejoice that we have a wonderful creator, savior, redeemer, mediator, that we have our Lord and God, that we'll be overwhelmed by his power and his majesty, his nearness, his love. He's only the only one to be feared, and he's the only one that we want to press in to enjoy him even more. What a wonderful God we have. If you are there on the computer, if you don't know Jesus, this is your invitation. He is inviting you, even through the book of Job, to come and know Him, to lay down your own ideas about who God is and truly seek Him. And now the verse Marius used, if you seek Him with all of your heart, He will be found. He will be found. So if you're there, He will be found. Tell your friend, tell your everyone, God will be found. And the interesting thing is, God is not lost. But you will see that when He reveals to you that you were the one that was lost, that you were the one that was blind. But He invites you to come and get to know Him. And so Lord, we want to pray. So let's pray together to illumine our hearts that we will see you more clearly. <laughs> that we would love you more in a fresh, in a deeper way, full of joy. Let us rejoice. Let us praise. Let us bless you, Lord. For the ones that don't know you, Lord, that you would come, Holy Spirit, and open their eyes to see your glory and let them turn and receive you and receive them into your family. Bless them. Send them out. Lord, help us to live lives that show who you are and bless the people around us, whether that's in work, or study, and a family, in the city of all, Lord, to bless people and show who you are. And Lord, we do it all to your glory and the blessing of Jesus' name. We thank you, God. Amen.